When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by Pat Rowe this morning. Uh, it's your weekly Aston Villa therapy session. I started writing a newsletter actually which should have popped into people's inboxes by now uh, saying it's 8.45, I've sat at my desk and I've kind of slumped down and literally sighed out loud, what do I even write here? And I've decided afterwards, let's do a podcast. <laughs> I don't know what to write. I don't know what to say either. So let's just try and do a podcast and use this as a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a therapy session, I guess. Let's talk through our issues together because I don't, I don't know what to say anymore. So let's just try and work it out as we go along. Um, I also said in that podcast, I want to be as distracted away from football as possible. You went to London at the weekend, Pat, not yeah. for Crystal Palace. How was that? It was actually really good, yeah. I was checking the score while I was walking around the Tate Modern, the art gallery, and you know, one minute we're one nil up, and I'm thinking, oh my god, we're back. <laughs> and then literally, <laughs> turn the corner, check again. I thought, I don't know why I'm checking again. Nothing will happen. Bang, one one, and then it just went downhill from there. Um, I saw some questionable art as well. One was just a brown canvas, just the colour brown. I was like, interesting. Another one was just a co-op receipt stapled to the uh, wall. And I'm thinking maybe they've done something to the receipt, so it's like got different words. No, nope, just Garlic, mushrooms, mayo. <laughs> I was like, it's beyond me. I don't understand it. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, the rest of it was good. Very enjoyable. Glad I didn't have to watch it. I've seen as many highlights as I can, extended highlights and whatever. But yeah, it didn't look pretty, did it? We'll start with Palace. This is going to be a bit of a, I mean, I think I've called this like Villa's identity crisis. So it is a bit of a, a reflection on, on where we are so far. But we will start with Palace because we've done the pod, but you haven't. You've seen highlights of it since. What did you make of the performance from the bits that you saw? Well, first of all, I was just a bit baffled when the team news came out. I know he likes to persist with his two number 10 formation and whatnot. And I know prior to that game, he was like, oh, I'm going to change it based on each opponent, which I'm fine with. Villa get their first win of the season against Everton. And by no means was it an impressive performance. It wasn't perfect, but it was a win. And I'd rather just grind out the wins than what happened on Saturday. Danny Ings mm-hmm. was one of the brightest players. He scored. He looked bright everywhere else, including that. I thought, what else does he have to do to keep his, his spot in the team, really? And I'm all for Watkins starting up on his own. I think Watkins is better on his own. But I just thought felt bad for Ings, to be honest. I thought he's done everything he can in that Everton game. He scored. Um, and, he, and he's been dropped out to the next, for the next fixture. I don't know if he's saving him for the cup game against uh, Bolton on Tuesday or whatever. But that, that kind of surprised me. But I was, I was fine with it. When Deer got a start, everyone was asking for that. Mm-hmm. Um I can't say much about the performance as a whole because I've said I didn't watch the whole game, but Watkins, everyone had questions about his finishing, didn't he? He's, he's a two assists and a goal now in the opening three games. He's probably the only bit of a uh, shining light on this dark abyss of a team we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been in Watkins' corner. Uh, that that finish for me showed exactly what he's capable of. It's an instinctive mm. finish. He ran onto it, bang, had no time to think about it and was everything that he's good at. Um, I'm just hoping he, he, out of all people, can take a bit of confidence from that game, hold his head up a bit 
a bit high and uh, move forward, keep getting the goals in. But um, yeah, another. Just, actually, I'm going to first comment on the the penalty decision. I've seen that Dean, Dean's not looking at the ball. He's not. He's facing mm. away. His arms up there. How on earth can that be a penalty at all? I don't understand that at all. So, but even, at, even on it. yeah, even even before that, it could have been six. I think Martinez made six saves, and a few of them were really good. And they had a goal disallowed, and it was a tight offside penalty. Mm. But he tapped it in. It could have been four or five by the look of it. So we're lucky to away to, to get away with a three-one loss. To be honest, that we were never in the game by the grounds of it after our goal. I know Leon Bailey hit the post or the bar. I don't know if that was against the run of play or or anything, but um, yeah, it would have just coated over the cracks, really, wouldn't it, if we had got something? Yeah, Gerald said about the big moment being the, the Dean penalty and how that changed the game, but I said afterwards that the big moment is that we got let off with the VAR offside as well, because that was tight. That could quite easily yeah, exactly. have gone, gone, gone the other way as well. That was the lifeline that you get back into the game. It's still 1-1. One, one. You should come out after that and think, oh, we kind of got, got away with one there. Let's go on and at least nick the point that we've already got or go and win it. So then go and lose it 3-1. I know you can say the third goal is that we were going for it, so they, they scored you know, on the break kind of thing, but still not good enough, is it? That, I kind of felt like... Palace was a bit of a yardstick for us to see where we where we've got in terms of progress. We won there last year, and everyone says it's a difficult difficult place to go. And Vieira's building something good there. They've got a young, hungry squad, and all these cliches basically. But you know, it's fair. They finished above us by only three points, but still above us. They're they're, they're looking like they've got a bit of a project there. If we go there and win, and it, we make it back to back wins, Everton and Palace. I don't know, it's only an isolated two games, but you go, oh, there's some kind of progress there. This is the exactly. team that we want to get up to where they were. Even if it's only 12th, it's still higher than Villa were last season. Exactly. This is a, a sign of, of progress. So to go there and not just lose the game, but not really be in it and not show the fight and the, and have that identity, which we'll come on to in a sec. You look at Crystal Palace and you can see what they're trying to do. You can see what their best, their best shape is, their best squad is, and the players they sign fit that. You look mm-hmm. at Aston Villa and you think, well, I don't know what we're trying to do. We're kind of passing it around at the back and maybe a long ball into a channel and, and hit, kind of hit and hope or give it to Bailey, Buendia, Coutinho and hope they do something. I kind of feel like whether it's Gerrard's nine months, ten months now or Aston Villa being in the Premier League for three years, three seasons, we should be having a bit more than hoping for Great. somebody to do something and plan of action. I think when you talk about our identity crisis and whatnot, I feel like the very early days where we did beat Palace away from home, a solid defensive display to build on. And if it wasn't good going forward, at least Villa would keep you out and make it hard for you. It would grind out a 1-0 win or a 2-1 or whatever. And you could bank on the fact that we'd be at least solid at the back and we'd be in the game. But just early on in this season, it doesn't seem like we've got that at all. It seems like a bit of shambles at the back. I know we've had um, the injury to Carlos, but if he played on the weekend, would we have won? I don't think he makes that much of a difference, as in for what we saw on that game. Obviously, he's got a passing ability from the back. He's a bit of a leader, but we still he he's not the best at defending set pieces, and that seems to be a big issue for us. I think they had a few chances. I think Martin has made a save. The penalty, obviously, he can't really do much, but it is from a set piece again. But I don't know. It's like the like you say. There's an identity crisis. Our recruitment isn't fitting the original plans that Gerard had, and all you can get from it is a bit of panic, to be honest, from the fan base, from the management team, from everyone involved. So it's not ideal, really. The last kind of 36, 24 hours or so has been bizarre. Really, I don't, I don't really know. 
what to say about it. I think so. I said on Saturday because it came out like thirty minutes after full time, which I said felt convenient to be honest. If mm. nothing else, yeah. you know, we've just lost a game. Oh, here's a bright new flashy signing for you. Yeah, uh, maybe that's me being more negative than I need to be. But you think, well, we don't really play wingers, so I don't know where that where he fits in. But maybe this shows a change of system that we're going for a different plan because what what we're doing at the moment clearly doesn't work. So I'm all for that. Yeah, change the system, play play wingers because what we're doing at the moment doesn't work. So yeah, fine, all, all well and good. But you wonder if we're going to play wingers, why wait till after three games in the season? Why not play yeah. wingers from the first day of preseason? Exactly. <laughs> Gerald's spoken about wanting to get the signings in from day one and have people bond together and go to the preseason tour together. So we've done all that in preseason, and then three games in, we've gone, oh, all that what we've done doesn't work. Let's go and sign a winger from the championship. And Sar's a good player. I would like Sar if if the deal still gets over the line between when we're recording this and when this comes out. Yeah, happy days. I think he's a good player. It's a good business deal as well if it's only 20, 25 million because at his age and his profile, a couple of good seasons in the Premier League, he'll be worth 40, 50 to to Liverpool or whatever. So I think it makes sense on a lot of fronts to sign somebody like that. What it doesn't make sense in is if we're playing a a 4-2-3-1, we don't have the midfield to do that. And if we're playing a 4-3-3, we also don't, don't have the midfield to, yeah. to play that either. And then when does where does that leave someone like Buendia? It just all feels very disjointed. Now, uh, uh, this might just me being you know the stupid football fan that doesn't see the bigger picture. But from I don't know whether you see anything from a, a statistical point of view. But it, to me, it all just feels a bit like here's a load of good players working yeah. out later. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's the same with the Ings signing and whatnot. Like, I did a tweet last year, and it was when we were rumored to get Ward Prowse, Cantwell, and it, we had got Ings and Bailey in. And I had no idea how we'd fit him in then, and I still have no idea how we'd fit these players in now. We've got more players, and we've got Coutinho yeah. coming into it and whatnot. But as you say, like if we're playing wingers, then it hints at a change in formation to like a four-two-three-one. But then everyone still wants a number eight. But you need like a number six that can be partnered with Kamara that do the same role. So like you think of like an Irabunum type player, but is Irabunum going to be given the role? Probably not. Um, if we're sticking to the diamond. Uh, or just one up front. We've got five subs. Why is Cameron Archer now If you're sticking with the Diamonds, you're playing two strikers. We only have three strikers at the club. And I don't really buy this, oh, Sars coming in and he can play up front. I hated it when Bailey did uh, it at the end of last season. It, it don't want to be doing that. So bad. Like, if you want a striker, buy a striker. Play a, if you want a winger, play him as a winger. I don't mm. understand. Gerard came in and he's like, oh, I play these inside forwards thing. And oh, it could work with Bailey, it could work with Watkins, but it, it just doesn't when you're trying to shoehorn these players and just play them where they're meant to be. I think I grew up as a kid, always hearing my dad talk about England and how they shoehorn players in, like skulls at left mid and whatnot, just to get the best players on the pitch all the time. And it never works out well if you're just trying to mm-hmm. shoehorn any good players at once. You need a team, you need calculated, obviously not for England, but you need calculated recruitment where it all makes sense. And for at the minute, it isn't making sense. I feel like if we had completed the SAR deal, which um, Tommy Jordan's just come out and said there was no medical ever booked or undertaken. So, um, uh, well, John, you, uh, just let's go on to the SAR deal then with the conflicting reports. First, it comes from a, a guy in France, which I, I apologise, I don't know in front of me of, of who that was, but a report in France saying that personal terms have just got to be agreed what a deal's done in terms of the two clubs, blah, 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 blah. And John Percy tweets about it, who's seen as like the, the Midlands you know, yeah. guru. He knows everything about every Midlands club. He's the guy that, you know, Percy at the back post, all those kind of things. When he says something, you think that it's legit. He said about medical, no, if, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah, um, medical books. 
Fabrizio Romano's talking about it, Sky Sports pick it up. So at that point, you think, okay, this has clearly got legs. It seems to be going in the right direction. Now, I think the I think Fabrizio tweets about it last night, so Sunday night, saying that the deal might have complications or something like that. There's still things yet to be worked out. And then either late last night or this morning, it talks about actually, I think it was the Athletic saying um, the deal looks like it might be off and, and might not be resurrected. So then for Tommy to come out and go, who's the communications director for people that don't know, to come out and say there was never a medical booked, conflicts with early reports from people like John Percy and Fabrizio Romano that are seen as like, you know, tier one, the elite people that know what's going on. So that deal as a whole just seems very, very bizarre. And that, that sign is not even going ahead now was never planned to go ahead or whatever, or at least there was no be- medical books. I mean, I don't know. It's just bizarre. And then the the, the kind of bonus to that, uh, apologies if I'm rambling, by the way, is that Courtney Hawes and maybe Cameron Archer were involved in the same deal, yeah. that Cameron Archer would be going on loan to Watford and maybe Courtney Hawes as well. Uh, we got, got a cup game on Tuesday. How? Why would you? Oh, that's the perfect opportunity to give Cameron Archer a run out, but we want to get rid of him before then. But Cameron Archer got minutes in pre-season. He got this big new bumper five-year deal. There's pathways to the first team, is what we're being told. Yeah. Um, Ira Burnham's not played. Archer's not played. Well, I, think he can, I think he came off the bench against Everton, maybe. So he's not really getting the minutes that I thought he might. So, yeah, you might as well go out on loan, because we're not playing. So, uh, you yeah. know, for, for Cameron Archer personally, I think Gerard said we, we'd do right by the player or something, which to me says, if we th- think he's not going to play, we'll loan him. So that's fine. I, I get that. But if we are going to play two up front, you need three strikers. Yeah. You could argue that Ings and Watkins maybe aren't far in, so Archer should be starting games anyway, especially if we're playing a two. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing one up front, I still think you need three strikers. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if Watkins gets injured, you've got Ings and, and then no one else is back up because we've loaned yeah. Archer to Watford. Now, if that's involved in a deal to get Saar here, and I think, well, Saar can play up front in a pinch or Bailey can play up front in a pinch. Yeah, fair enough. But Cameron Archer's a striker. He's our player. Use yeah. him, so I don't know what that means for Cameron Archer now. If the Saar deal isn't going ahead, does that mean he's still available for loan? But now, well, what the dogs think, well, now, right, yeah, they'll be thinking well, Villa were happy for him to go to Watford, so we're yeah. you know, Preston will be back in, West Brom will be back in again. It just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know what the plan here is. Pretty panicked, isn't it? Villa are renowned for being secretive and and smart with their transfer business, but now it's secretive and confusing for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> like, mm. we're all just like speculate about what's happening several outlets are saying um medical's booked and whatnot and now they're coming out and say it's not booked it's just really conflicting it's really confusing no one really knows what's going on and never mind the deal after all the speculation and the links to themselves are just as confusing enough like that's enough to fry my brain on how we'd include them all i don't need this about contracts and medicals being booked and whatnot and demands so yeah this is not what you need not only three games into the season but 11 days before the end of the transfer window, when teams are now going to look at our transfer business, realise there's a bit of panic about the situation, probably hold us ransom if we do find a player that we do want to move for. Um, as you said, if Saar had gone through and you sign a winger, you kind of cemented into the fact that you need to change the system. So whoever we go for in a number six or number eight or a centre-back, people should be like, okay, extra 10 mil. Mm, yeah. You need them. I mean, there's a lot of talk when, when the Saar deal, the Saar deal stuff came through initially about you know that's not the player we need. We need a midfielder. I'm, you know, we're all wise enough to know that just because we, if we decide Saar, that doesn't mean we're not going to get a midfielder. It's just you know things fall into place in a certain order. It's just not great PR, is it? Because it would all have been nice to come out after Saturday night and go, oh, we're after midfielder first, and Saar comes later on down the line. Yeah, um, do, do and I think things don't work like that. But 
you know, like you said, we're now 10, 11 days away from the transfer window. Clubs don't want to sell. We need to buy because we clearly haven't got the personnel we need. So you can add extra transfer fees onto that. You know, integrating a, a player into the side who hasn't had a pre-season with us. Villa have started poorly. You've got to ask them to hit the ground running. It only takes a silly injury or something like Diego Carlos and you're back to square one again anyway. So yeah. Villa have kind of been renowned for being... as well, didn't they? Like we were looking so, at yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I missed a few games last season. I mean, that's not going to happen now, is it? I don't think that will be rekindled, so yeah. we might as well just say goodbye to that. So does that yeah. mean now we go back in for another winger elsewhere because we are committed to a system change or are we back to square one going, no, no, we're going to stay with what we're no, actually, doing. No, we don't want wingers anymore. We didn't we want a winger anyway, forget it. That was just yeah. a joke. We're just joking, guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just, like, Villa have been renowned for being quite smart in the transfer window, like pulling a deal out of nowhere, being quite secretive, like you say, and have been screwed on to go, right, this is the player we need and we're just going to get it done and that'll be it. Villa don't get dragged into these kind of messy situations very often. And it's now, to me, really disappointing that we're a mess on the pitch. And this Sardale in particular shows that we're a bit of a mess off the pitch, to be honest. Because whether, whether any of that was actually true or not, whether it was a medical book, whether there wasn't, whether there was interest, whether it was just rumours. I just don't want to be embroiled in that. I want Villas to just go, here's Danny Ings. And I don't yeah. mean Danny Ings is in the signing, because you could argue that's not quite work, but that kind of deal, Callum Chambers as well, another good example, just going, this yeah. is who we wanted, we've got them, and that's it. That's how yeah. simple it should be. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm looking at Newcastle now, and I think they're bidding for Jack Harrison, who's had a good, strong start to the um Season with Leeds, it makes sense for their recruitment. They've also gone after this player called Kone, who quite a few Villa fans were calling for. He's from Borussia Mock and Gladbach. Um, and that recruitment just makes sense for what they want to do. And then you look at ours, and obviously on the face of it, Sal's a good player. I think he's been linked with Liverpool in the past, but it just doesn't make sense, does it? And it's a headache just trying to figure it out. So I can't imagine how bad it would be for the people that are actually involved in the setup of the club, Gerard and his coaching staff and whatnot when you've already got the mounting pressure of results and you're trying to embed these players, which we know can impact the performances on, on the pitch. Players don't just come in, hit the ground running, as you say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all a bit confusing. Um, and it's not good that we're now staring down the barrel of West Ham, who are due a win, Arsenal and Man City. Arsenal probably had their best start to the, the, the season for like, over a decade. Man City or Man City. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's almost just... I'm, I'm wary of how I word this because I'm going to get people saying, oh, you're not a proper fan, you don't support the club, whatever. I don't know whether I'm alone in this and I've only got you here. We're not recording this properly live. I can't see any comments or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll see what the reaction to this is later. I, I don't know whether it's just me. I feel very disengaged with the club at the moment. Like I, don't, I just don't... Like the transfer window, there's 10 days left. It should be an exciting time getting new players, new acquisitions. You know, this is the plan, spending a load of money. I'm almost not really that bothered, to be honest. I want to see proof. Of, I want to see evidence of progress. Um, I've always been very positive when we make a new sign or we get a new manager or whatever to give them a chance and think, right, this is the change. Maybe this is the year we go on and win a trophy or maybe we're going to get back into Europe and not really be upbeat about it. But it's how many more full storms do we have to go through before we suddenly realise that we're not going to just fly back up to a certain position or that a new sign is going to come in and hit the ground running and be the next best thing? It all just feels a little bit flat. And I don't yeah. know whether we've come from having this kind of fairy tale Aston Villa kit supplier, Aston Villa captain, Aston Villa manager in Dean Smith, Grealish and Luke Roper getting promotion and all like riding the crest of a wave. And now we've come to be almost relegated, have a good season behind closed doors, which felt a bit crap anyway. 
and then last season fizzle out into nothingness and then this season start poorly when the football on the pitch correlates with the mood of the fan base I get that and it's not going great so there's reasons not to feel good but if if there was a managerial change today two months six months whenever I almost don't know whether I'll, I'll, I'll greet that with right fresh start let's go new, new changes let's see what happens I'll probably greet it with alright well let's just see what he does in six months and yeah. there will be some people that go, oh, you should support them through thick and thin. I will. I'm not going to change. I'm, I'll be a Villa fan my entire life. My future family will also be Villa fans and everyone after me will be. Yeah. But I just can't get excited about it at the moment because it all just feels very messy and disjointed. And I don't know, maybe that's just me and there'll be hundreds of people that disagree with me and say I'm a disgrace, but it just feels <laughs> weird to me. No, I wouldn't say you're a disgrace because... Obviously, I went. I go into every new season. You see, when we were recruiting players like Kamara and Carlos, it was hard for me to not get excited about it. Like I'm always gonna. I'm very much in the boat of remaining positive, as as, as positive as I can be. And um, you go into the season, you're looking at pre-season. We're beating Leeds. We're coming from behind to draw against United when United looked like they were an impressive outfit, but now it looks slightly less impressive. <laughs> um, beating Rene, I think they finished fourth in uh, League One last year. Um, and it was like I just naturally I get excited as to try and stay positive about it, but there were like things that you'd hone in on and you'd realise that the, the cracks probably were there. He didn't really set on a formation or a team throughout preseason, did he? It wasn't really like mm-hmm. a clear one. Like he, the end one was Louise Rams, was it Louise McGinn and Kamara in midfield, and then he changed. So, yeah. Yeah. Started, yeah. Watkins was starting every game, and then Watkins gets dropped for the first game of the season. And I just feel like Villa talk a good talk and like it can only get you so far. Mm. And now yeah, yeah. We, we, we're flattered to deceive and whatnot and we're not really backing it up with anything. I know Jared has this no-excuse culture and whatnot, but the excuses are starting to mount up like with the Carlos injury, the recruitment and all this stuff. Like I feel like throughout all of Gerard's time at the club, it's always been, I'll give him a pre-season, give him a full transfer window. He's had both and doesn't feel like we've used the pre the preseason well. Um, I think people anticipate a lot more from the transfer window as well. I thought we'd be splashed up with like the higher spenders in there. I know we've made some money as well. We had a bloated squad, but still, I think fans expected a lot more from uh, in terms of our business in incomings. I mean that that um, line came internally. That was Gerard in, in interviews and Perzo possibly saying that we'll have a big summer. We've got big plans. Yeah, exactly. So to only really, I mean, the Carlos injury aside, which is a massive disappointment from the opening, well, from Everton onwards, we've got Kamara is the only difference to the team that we yeah. had since January because Coutinho and Dean were already there. So I get it takes time to build something, and we I said it to, to John after the game. Make me look stupid. Make me look like the idiot. I should be excited about the club. I should be um, happy with where things are going. If we win the next couple of games, which sounds absolutely mental, and we start to build something at the end of the season, we go, look, we finished ninth. We had a good season in the end. We got to a cup semi-final or whatever. I'll I'll be happily look stupid back in August. But as of things right now, I don't know how much more I can kind of just coast along and think, well, it'll all be all right one day. Because at the minute, it feels like we've wasted the pre-season. We've started this season poorly. I mean, I was saying like there's a possibility that we're three games in and we're on nine points. Yeah, on three. And we could be on three points after six games with the next three fixtures. We've got Tuesday night with Bolton. There's a lot more pressure on that game now than there than needs to be. It's on Sky Sports. Like, you just know what's going to happen. We're going to lose, aren't we, on Sky? But that's a more of a banana skin than it should be. I do still think we'll win that and we should win it comfortably. But you do just feel like there's way more pressure on a game now that shouldn't really have it. Because if you do lose that, then you've got West Ham at home on a Sunday. 
and then you've got uh, Arsenal and Man City, if you don't get anything out of the next few games and it's six games and you're on three points or four points, as much as you could say it's a tough start, that's not good enough and there's going to be serious questions raised. And social media, yes, that's not the be-all and end-all, but social media is a negative, bad place. And you just start to wonder how long it seeps into the stadium. If we're 2-0 down at half-time on Sunday, will there be booze? Will there be people saying general out in the stadium? It's not good, is it? This isn't where I thought we'd be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we finished 14th last year and it's... We're talking about year-on-year progress. I'm not even sure at a play like this we'd make 14th. You look at Fulham, they're quite impressive this year, which I didn't expect. Bournemouth beat us and... Obviously, they've played Man City and Arsenal now, I think, and they're tough games. So I don't want to expect them to, to get a result there. Um, who else? Is that? Forest looked quite impressive as well. I know they couldn't beat Everton, but like when I've, I watched them against West Ham and they looked really good that game. It's like, are we going to go do the same this weekend against West Ham? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's worrying. Well, well West Ham, I mean, they've, they've lost three games in a row and they haven't scored a goal yet. So I think they've won like one in their last 10 or something silly. So, so they'll beat Villa then. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, there was a few comments after Saturday saying that we've been too negative and like writing off the next few games, but there can't be many Villa fans out there think that we'll get anything out of the next three. It's so West hard. Man City, Arsenal, like, you, could, you could easily just say we'll lose all three right now. And yeah, football doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a funny game. If we do beat West Ham and we beat Bolton on Tuesday night and then you nick something against Arsenal as well, the mood vastly changes and then you yeah. sign a few players towards the end of the transfer window, either number six or number eight, and you go, right, this is the system we're going to work with now. This is what we're going to do. As much as you and I think said that you know, it's three games in or two games in or one game in, whenever we had the conversation, we don't want to look back to last season, the, the two wins in 12 or the three wins in 14 or whatever it is now because of our own mental state of keep looking back. It's just draining to keep doing so. But you do look at the record and, and go, that's not great, is it? 10 wins yeah. in 30 or whatever it is. Like, that's that's rubbish. That is relegation form. So, at some point, you have got to think, what's got to change? And I think if we had a change, something in the summer, and said, right, we're now 4 2 three, one. we're going to sign three wingers of high quality to make a change, and this is what we're going to do, you could say, right, well, this season is a fresh start then, because we're, yeah. we're different to what we did last season. But we've started game weeks one, two and three of this season, like game weeks 39, 40 and 41 of last season. It's just a continuation of what we saw. And I if think that's what's annoying so many work. people. Well, yes, bro, that's probably. Yeah. And then there's stuff going on with Douglas Lee, isn't there? Like, that came out a few weeks ago, he's getting a new contract. And, like, he was a player that could make that 4-2-3-1 work. And if you wanted to switch there, mm. you'd be like, okay, you can see it. You can play with Kamara in the, in the, in the pivot. And you'd be like, okay, that, that might work. But... He's played limited amount of minutes, not been given a start after starting that stud Renee game. And now it's all gone quiet on the contract again. So everything is just extremely confusing and it's not what I wanted in the, in the going into the last few days of the transfer window to start of the season. It's not ideal. Well, if we do play 4 2 3 1, Louise isn't a six, though, is he? Because no. that's not his best position. But Louise and Kamara, I don't think Louise is the answer, but I think that's a better system than yeah. Ramsey and McGeehan, who are too similar, I think. And haven't done enough so far. Ramsey had a decent game against Everton, but it's Everton. We can't kind of scrape our way over the line. I think John said we probably should have thrown that away, to be honest. And if we yeah. had, and it was one point from three, it was we would seriously be in trouble. Three. Oh my God. Our um, job is to a villa. If I sit here and actually just moan non-stop, I'll just drive myself insane. I've had a bit of a moan on here, which I don't usually do, but I feel like it's forced me into it. 
What, what, what we're going to sit here and say that we, if we were sitting here going, we're definitely going to beat West Ham because they've lost the first three. I think that's deluded because yeah. like I mean, this is such low level analysis. But that run of West Ham run won't last forever. <laughs> They'll it's score a goal at some point in the game. There's Villa. a good chance it's going to come at Aston Villa, isn't it? Because whenever a team is on a difficult period of, of games, or they've not scored a goal for a while, or they've not kept a clean sheet for a while. They'll get a clean. They'll win one at Liverpool Park and get a clean yeah. sheet and their first goal of the season and first points of the season because that's what happens. What do you think of Bolton? Will we win that? I'd like to think so, but then you think about that snowy away day all, the, all those years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as you said, it's a massive banana skin, isn't it? And televised, it just seems like a perfect time for us to just amplify everything in the classic Villa way. And then you look at all the coverage we're getting, and it's not the coverage you want, to be honest. The Ming stuff a few weeks ago. This now, the SAR deal is probably going to go, everyone's going to be talking about that. And now we've got a televised game on a Tuesday night after we've just been, we just had a loss on the Saturday against a championship side. About in the championship, they are. are they League, League One. League One. Ooh, even worse. It screams Bradford, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, Bradford. Yeah, I mean, I do think we'll win. We're doing our predictions, me and Ash, over the course of the season. So far, we're, we're doing poorly, but I do think we'll beat Bolton. Or, yeah. I don't know, three-one or something like that. Surely we'll we'll win. Like it's League One, <laughs> no disrespect, but surely <laughs> you know, there's a reason Sky Sports have picked this game for television. Yeah, I, I think there could be an upset. That, that's why the game is on. I think we'll finish it there. Um, has this therapy session helped you in any way? No, because I know I've now got a the rest of my shift to go and write about it and just work myself up again. <laughs> yeah, we should have done this at the end of the day, not the start. Yeah. Uh, well, I would have been like in said, tears by then. You wouldn't have got anything out of me. <laughs> like I said, I wrote that newsletter saying I don't know what to say. So I've done a podcast now and I still don't really know what to say. It, it just yeah. all feels strange. And what I said earlier about feeling or kind of like disengaged from it all, it's not a great place to be in with your football club, is it? I want to be right behind them. I want to be excited about about what we're doing at the moment. I just feel like oh, not yeah. really bothered. So sort yourself out first. Pat, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll Thank do another you. podcast either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning after the Bolton game. I'm off on Sunday, so I won't be doing the West Ham podcast. So that's me out of one of them, at least. We'll probably win that one, which would be yeah, peak, exactly. peak me, I'll won't it? So thanks everyone for watching the podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed this Monday therapy session. If you want to get involved in the YouTube comments below, you can do so. We'll be back in a couple of days. If anything happens with any more signings or a new contract or something, we might jump on and do a stream then and yeah thank you very much for watching we'll see you again soon thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa